Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, my name is Amy Monaghan and welcome back to the NIHR Dementia Research podcast. This week we're looking at working with people with dementia and their carers. And I'm joined today again by three guests in the studio. The first is Kelly Morrissey. Hi, Kelly. If you'd like to say a little bit about yourself and what you're researching. Hi, uh, um, well, I'm a Newcastle University Research Fellow at Open Lab in the School of Computing Science, uh, where I lead the digital social care theme. So my background is in applied psychology. My PhD was an ethnographic exploration into digital musical uh, devices in dementia care. And since I've come to Newcastle, my research has primarily been with uh, people with dementia and their carers. And I would say the overarching uh, research is, is generally about participation. How do we involve people uh, with dementia and their carers in the design of technologies that are going to affect their lives? Uh, so some examples of this are designing conversational uh, support applications for carers and people with dementia, uh, commissioning platforms that allow people to have a say in the design of new technologies and tailored virtual reality uh, experiences for people with dementia and their carers. That's some of the current work that I'm doing. Great. And returning for his second podcast with us is Timothy Rittman um, from the University of Cambridge and Addenbrooke's Hospital. Tim, if you'd like to remind us all a little bit about what you're doing at Cambridge. Hi, Amy. Yeah, so I'm a clinical lecturer at uh, the University in Cambridge in Addenbrooke's Hospital. Uh, my research is on um, cognitive and imaging biomarkers in people with tau-associated dementia, so particularly progressive supranuclear palsy. Um, and I'm a neurology registrar um, as well. Um, I'm also on the steering committee for the World Young Leaders in Dementia. Great. And finally today, we have Yvette Vermeer. I got that right, didn't I? Yvette Vermeer. There we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, Yvette. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at UCL? I am a, a PhD student at the UCL, but I'm also part of this European network called INDUCT. So as you might have heard from my accent, I'm uh, originally from the Netherlands. And I'm now here based at UCL doing a, a PhD in examining how and if surveillance technology empowers people with dementia and their carers. Because usually it are the carers who use these technology devices and they can track or locate the person with dementia who might wander. And that's basically what I'm doing, yeah. Great. And um, again, I am the least important person on this panel today. So I'm Amy Monaghan and I'm a postdoctoral research associate at the Alzheimer's Research UK Drug Discovery Institute. Um, doing early stage drug discovery projects in dementia. So if you want to join in the conversation with the podcast, you can use the hashtag on Twitter, ECR Dementia. Um, you can forward any suggestions for future podcasts, any questions to at dem underscore researcher. That's D-E-M underscore researcher. Um, and you can also find lots of content for early career researchers on our website, dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk. So people with dementia and their carers are at the centre of what we do as dementia researchers. Biomedical research often involves working directly with patients and their carers. In the case of patients with dementia and their carers, this 
is a unique set of uh, challenges and these can manifest in the form of consent with respect to capacity and therefore uh, in terms of cognitive capability and the challenges that brings to the patients themselves, the carers and the researchers who are investigating the disease. These can be complex and emotional moments and they have to be sensitively managed and as early career researchers it's important to prepare. Um, so we're going to go to Kelly first, I think, with our first question. Um, in the context of your research experience to date, has working with people with dementia and their carers presented any specific challenges? So I think probably the first thing that comes to mind or that always comes to mind is uh, the, and you've said it already, the, the amount of emotional involvement that you get when you work day to day with people with dementia and their carers. So uh, in particular, my field research uh, took part, I took part in an, an ethnography uh, in a care home in the south of Ireland. Uh, and I suppose you just, what I found is that I couldn't switch myself off at the end of the day. You encounter people who are going through, I suppose, very difficult circumstances. Uh, and I think that aspect of kind of self-care, especially as a, a kind of a fairly young uh, PhD student who'd never come in contact uh, with, I suppose, the real world or clinical population before, um, I suppose understanding how to have that aspect of self-care is something that would be important to me and, and a challenge that I think I think I still face today. So having adequate supervision um, and looking after yourself and managing your own emotions in, in the field. Um, and Tim, as a clinical researcher, is there anything different that you can add to, to that that Kelly just said? Or the same, in fact, if it's the same kind of challenges? Yeah, I think it is. <clears throat> yeah, as a, as a clinician, I suppose... I have more experience of, of coming across people who are in very difficult situations, but um, I, I think when you're doing a you know cognitive battery or a set of tests with someone, you're it's very intense. You can be there for a few hours sometimes, um, and you certainly get to know the the families and the patients over a long period of time. So you do get very involved, which I think is a, is a great thing actually. I, I think you know it's it's nice to have that that relationship. Um, I think in terms of some of the other specific challenges of working with people with dementia, um, a lot of the cognitive tests and other tests that you would do are, that are designed and usually tested on sort of young, healthy student populations, when you then try and take them into um, the, de the dementia world, it takes you 10 times longer to do, you know, what should be a, a, a 10 minute test or something. You can't see, but Kelly is nodding and nodding <laughs> along. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something we've, we've all faced. Um, and particularly the, the population that I work with, people with PSP are incredibly slow. Um, so, you know, um, one of the PhD students I, I, I worked with uh, when I was doing my PhD designed a cognitive battery, which is supposed to last sort of three hours. Um, and ended up being 15 hours, you know. So it's it's a it's a real challenge. Um, and the same with getting people to come to to scans uh, and do tasks in an MRI scanner is it, just not really possible. So you have to think of of ways around that. So for example, I do a lot of resting state MRI in my um, in my scanning because it means that people don't have to do um, those specific tasks. And Yvette, maybe you can talk a little bit about. Um, working with people with dementia and their carers as well and the challenges that are associated with that. Yeah, coming back to, um, you said uh, a couple of times patients and actually, um, I, yeah, I would prefer it if you don't call people living with dementia patients 
um, I work together with Alzheimer's Europe and they have this working group uh, of people living with dementia and the language we use is very important so if you call them patient you are very disrespectful and they, uh, these are people living with dementia and they're not in a hospital uh, completely uh, locked up they they have a life they 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 mean something and um i think language is very important not only how how you talk about people but also how you portray people and that's also a bit what i research so not only the technology side but how we portray people in the media because this might have uh, negative impacts on them um but also um yeah i heard okay tests can um take longer because of uh, the stages of dementia they they are in. Uh, but the, on the other hand, the people I've worked with, especially last week, uh, the people from the European Working Group who live with dementia, these are very uh, strong people who advocate about these language guidelines. So don't, yeah, again, they're all diverse and they're all individuals. Um, what I also would like to point out about this diversity is I, I, I want to do focus groups with people living with dementia and their carers and it's very difficult to get ethical approval. Uh, not only um, because of the measures you have to take, but also because I uh, wanted to involve people with later stages of dementia and that's just nearly impossible. So I had to go for people with mild to moderate um, levels of dementia and that's actually excluding people and my whole project is about empowerment. And, and that's just a big major challenge. And not only um, here in the UK, but I'm also going to do it in the Netherlands. And that's also why I said, hey, I'm Dutch. And uh, it's just everywhere in Europe at this uh, moment. So, yeah. I suppose uh, just to chime in, I completely agree with you. I think ethics is such a major challenge in dementia research, especially um, because I, I feel like all the forms we use, uh, all the uh, applications we go through are predicated often on clinical research or, or I suppose, you know, medical research when uh, really what I do is, is social research and you're talking about focus groups um, and trying to involve people at the later stages. And yeah, it's it's next to impossible. I have a PhD student now who's going through the whole uh, NHS rec uh, ethics and uh, really all he wants to do is very low risk qualitative research around designing an application in tandem with carers and people with dementia and it does feel it does feel like that inclusion point really needs to be brought up more well let's touch a little bit on that and maybe that you can cover this um what do you think the opportunities are to enhance the involvement of people that are living with dementia and their carers in research um the opportunities are that you have all the voices heard because you have such diverse people, these are not just a group of people, oh, they have dementia. No, everyone has their own opinions. And um, I want to do discussions with people about the media and how it impacts them and how technology impacts them. And it, like, my, um, <laughs> like Kelly said, it's very low risk what I do. And it took me a year to get ethical approval. And I mean, I do a PhD of three years and I really want to do the research and help people. And this will just challenge other researchers to, for example, continue this process. Um, so with ethical approval, well, don't um, 
give people slack or like the opportunity like okay just do it because uh, ethics are there for a reason but there should be um, different applications so if you're doing social science or just want to have a talk with people just an easier process or a more efficient process and Tim maybe you want to talk a little bit about uh, your research and how you find it is to how do you engage people with your research how do you recruit people to your research those kind of things I find actually it's not that difficult to to recruit people um, particularly when people have rarer dementias but also you know people with with more so-called common dementias you know Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease uh, many people are actually really keen to to get involved even when we're very clear that it doesn't it won't necessarily benefit them but might benefit other people um, I think you have to be careful that when people hear research, they often think drug trials, and that's not often what we're doing. We're trying to learn about the disease. So I think it is important to to um, help people understand exactly what they're um, they're getting themselves into, um, if you like. Um, but uh, I, I think sometimes um, some of the reluctance comes on on the part of of us as clinicians and in clinic when we see people, um, we, we're trying to. Um, recruit them to to studies Um, it sometimes feels like a very sensitive area you've just given them a a very difficult diagnosis or they're coming back and you've had a very in-depth discussion about something Um, and then it seems rather frivolous to then be talking about research Uh, but actually my experience is that people are still very keen to to get involved and even difficult conversations say about um, donation to a brain bank um, actually people have often thought about it already um, and are not shocked or put off by the question um, in fact we, we asked people in in our clinics you know whether they were put off by being asked about brain donation um, and and they said no they weren't they they thought they saw it as a positive thing um, so yeah so actually my experience on the whole has been fairly positive about people getting wanting to get involved but they just need to have the opportunities to do that and Kelly I think uh, our approach to uh, including and uh, recruiting is usually to establish really good links at the community level. Um, so to go out and to do uh, community work, to get involved with groups. I'm really involved with our local Dementia Action Alliance and I regularly help them secure small pots of funding to keep going. And in that way, you, you build up your network and, and you widen it out. And I suppose this is particularly relevant to the type of research I do uh, where you know small groups of kind of being being able to go back to the same groups over and over again and get them involved in focus groups and interviews is is really really useful um, and I, I think yeah I think Tim your point about the op- where are the opportunities to get them involved is important so we recently ran a, um, a very large-scale online competition to involve people with dementia and their carers in the design of new technologies asking them to submit their ideas uh, and we funded it quite a bit and we put a lot of work into it and really I don't think that it was super successful. There wasn't huge amounts of uptake. Uh, we're currently re-looking at the platform and seeing, well, you know, well, did we really make this as accessible as possible, not just in the design, but did we think, you know, um, did we think about the time that people would have to put into something like this? It isn't something like brain donation. It's something about, you know, designing technologies online. How much do people care about it? How do people want to have their voices heard? And I think we need to think really carefully about about configuring that going forward. I think there is a lot to be said for 
um, being able to crowdsource some of your science research and things. You see a lot of projects now online on the various science portals where you can take part and you can analyse images from cancer um, slices and things. And um, I know Alzheimer's Research UK have Sea Hero Quest as well, and they can be great resources, but definitely designing them correctly so that you can engage the maximum amount of people um, is very important. Tim? Yeah, and I think that personal contact of, you know, as you said, actually going to people. Um, so I do a lot of work with the PSP Association, and actually you know, seeing people there helps them to understand what the research is about. So, and I think that you know, going into the community is a great idea um, to actually make that con that initial contact. And do you think there's enough opportunities for researchers to go into the community, or, or clinicians, or uh, to go into the community and talk to people with? dementia and their carers? Yeah, I think clinicians are particularly bad at staying in hospital yeah. <laughs> and not <laughs> escaping. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it is quite, a, a, it does take a lot of time to actually to, to actually go and do that. And it takes a lot of planning. Um, so I, I don't think at the moment that there is as much opportunity to do that as, as there should be or, or as, as there, there could be. Um, you know, that, that's a big undertaking, actually, uh, because you know, partly... Uh, it's um, yeah setting up the those interfaces where people can go and and recruit and get out of the their ivory tower out of their hospital in, into the real world um, but also I think it's partly about having a group of, of people with a with a diagnosis you can be confident in as well so I know if I recruit people from my clinic I've made the the diagnosis or one of my colleagues has and I can be confident a, about what they're diseases um, what tests they've had done uh, and that's very standardized so and a lot of research is you know clinical and, and standardized so I think there's yeah there's pros and cons yeah. um, Yvette maybe you want to talk a little bit about what approaches um, you take to your research involving people living with dementia uh, I have several uh, strategies I use um, besides participants, I'm also starting up a PPI group at uh, UCL. So people with dementia and carers can become involved as advisors into my research. Um, so they can have a say in my design and in my research. Um, this I posted mainly online in the beginning. Uh, got loads of comments. So I was surprised. People are really um, enthusiastic. Um, but for my focus groups, because I will ask not personal questions, but um, more, more detailed questions. And I would like to establish a relationship with the people and uh, build trust. So I will go to memory clinics and Alzheimer's Cafe and talk to them directly and ask them. And that will then also be a sort of screening and see who they are and what they think and if they would like to participate because it's not just uh, asking someone and they should be willing and hopefully also get something out of the research. Um, and Kelly, the same question to you. Very similar, <laughs> as participatory as possible. I think there might be a similar uh, strand running through a lot of the technology-centered research, especially when it's about empowering technologies, that, that it, it's always about involving people from the very start um, and getting people's opinions from the ground up and building it around that. Uh, beyond that, I think, uh, I think respect. I think encountering the person with dementia and the carer as any other person, regardless of their level of dementia, um, and I, I guess something that uh, is maybe a little bit 
uh, unique about our research is that our research uh, at Open Lab is very often not necessarily about uh, cognitive outcomes or clinical outcomes, but instead about care and everyday life with dementia and about supporting creativity and fun around that. So I think in our design sessions, when they're they're centered around kind of artistic or creative activities, I think a sense of playfulness, uh, of fun is something that we try to, uh, I suppose, keep alive in our sessions as well. Great. Um, we'll move on a little bit now to what kind of advice you would give to other researchers. Um, they're going to be working with people living with dementia for the first time or or indeed their carers. Um, and what would that, let's maybe not go for one, but maximum three <laughs> pieces of advice um, that you would give to them. We'll start with you, Tim. So I think firstly, uh, get out there and, and meet people uh, and treat them as people, I think, as has already been said, really. Um, and don't be scared to, to meet people with dementia. Uh, I think uh, often f- if you're not used to it, if you work in a lab um, uh, or you're, you've come from a different background, um, it can be quite, quite a scary thing and you don't necessarily know what to say. Um, but just jump in with both feet um, and go and chat to people um, and get to know them. Um, so that would be my, my first piece of advice. Um, I think secondly, make sure that you have um, the support of someone that you can talk to about those emotional issues. I think that's really important. You know, even um, you know, as a as a hardened neurologist, you know, <laughs> I still need sometimes to, to talk to people about you know really difficult patients or difficult ex- experiences um, that that um, I you know that I've I've had. Um, so make sure you have that emotional support in place. Um, and um, thirdly, just to pick up on something that Yvette said in passing, I think that feedback to, um, to, to people who have been involved in the research is, is really important. So we run a day every year where we invite people who have been involved in the research to come and hear presentations uh, about what we've, what we've done with, with their data. Uh, and I think to, to build that in from the very beginning and plan to do that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a big meeting, but you know, even if it's a letter, once a year to say you know this is what our research group is up to build that in from the beginning and then that'll give people some feedback and encourage them to to keep coming back to to do more research yeah I think I can speak to that as well from being in basic research it's really important even if you think that your research is so far removed from actually getting into a a a therapy for a patient or helping to understand a disease whatever that disease may be whether it's dementia or cancer or cardiovascular disease anything like this um to go out and to share what you've been doing with those people because i've i've been to talk in um care homes and speak to carers and people that are working with people living with dementia and actually just being able to answer some questions and demystify a little bit of what goes on in universities because it's not clear <laughs> to anyone it's not clear to the people working in the universities sometimes what's going on in them um, and it doesn't matter what your research is it's just nice to be able to tell the people that you're trying to help what you're what you're doing um, Yvette if you'd like to share your words of wisdom yeah I don't want to sound negative um but like I just said, I had a year for ethical approval. So prepare, prepare, prepare. <laughs> um, but on a side note, yeah, remember why you are doing this. You are doing this f- uh, for the people. And 
I also know a lot of studies who don't involve people. So it is worth it. It is worth the, the, the competition and just working towards ethical approval. Also, um, especially for social sciences, when, when you're doing, for example, focus groups, don't make it too big. Don't make mm. it too difficult. Just put the questions in you need to ask and uh, stay to that. Um, Kelly, have you got anything to add? Well, I, I agree with what, what the others have said, but I think my, my main thing and something that I keep trying to remember is that, um, especially when you're working with people in the later stages of the condition, that uh, really when, when communication changes in particular, I suppose that it's it's our job to get on their level, if you know what I mean. So it's our job to change our communication to something that suits the person with dementia rather than expecting them to fit into our kind of preconceived mould um, of, of the sort of responses we want or the sort of uh, interviews that we want. So I suppose I suppose modify your own communication style is something that I wish I had been more prepared for in my work. Um, and I'm going to go a little bit off piece. So because we're talking about working with people with dementia, it really reminds you every day of why you're actually doing what you're doing, which can sometimes get a little bit lost, I think, in lab science. Um, so what do you find is the most rewarding thing about your research? Um, just this example that I gave a presentation about how people are portrayed um, with dementia in the media, and these were these horrible pictures. And this woman walked up to me and she was like, I have dementia and I don't like it when they do that. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I'm doing it, yeah. Tim. Yeah, I I think uh, uh, there's uh, so many different parts of my research which I enjoy and which I find rewarding. Um, you know, f but I think particularly you know, involving people with dementia, um, being able to look someone in the eye and say we're working on that. You know, they ask you know, when when's the cure going to come along? We're working on it, and to know that that's actually happening, I think is very rewarding, and that you're part of it. For me, uh, I suppose, so my PhD, there is a lot in there about music and I'm a terrible musician and a terrible dancer <laughs> and everything like that. But since I came to Newcastle again with my local uh, Dementia Action Alliance, they set up a, a Thursday dance class for people with dementia and their carers. And through that, I've just learned so much about how different abilities can come to the fore when certain methods of communication wane or change. And honestly, I just have so much fun so I think that I think that setting up community activities that make a difference and that allow people to express themselves in ways that aren't the usual um, I think those are those are really really nice moments for me that's really good that's really nice I, I, that that's made me really happy <laughs> so the kind of, yeah definitely I can't dance though so I'll fit right in with you <laughs> Just us two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for coming in. Um, it's been really nice to talk to you all. Again, if you want to get involved with the conversation on Twitter, you can use the hashtag ECRDementia. Um, you can forward any questions to at dem underscore researcher. Um, and there will be a forum topic on the website, which is dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk. Um, thank you all again for coming in. And I'm sure we'll see you again, Tim, probably for a third time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. This was a podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.